Hello, and welcome to Fact Schmacks, the podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My name is Matt, and I've got a story to tell you. And my name is Kev. I have a story to interrupt. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Kevin. Matthew. Okay. All right. Kevin, how's your week? How's your week been? It's been good. It's been it's Check been it in. Good. Yeah. It's Has nice it to be been, checked uh, in on. Absolutely. Have you been, uh, you know, uh, reaping your your facts and sowing your smacks here? So listen, uh, <laughs> I promise you I would up my game because, you know, you kind of yeah. got me the last two times. You've been texting me all day about your fax max, so I'm really excited about this. Yeah, so here's the thing about the fax max is uh, today's fax max is a race to the absolute bottom. Okay. So, I mean, I've definitely definitely fixed it up a little bit from what I had it earlier. So I'm just going to lead into it. So my strategy today, I'll tell you my strategy. We're going to have some honorable mentions after. Okay. My strategy today was to hit you where I know you hate something. I was okay. I was just gonna go. I don't know. What do you think it is? <laughs> I think it's country music. No, 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 no. Oh, all right. It's something you probably hate arguably more than country music. Wow. All right. We're gonna talk about cryptocurrency today. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, boomer. You ready? Yeah, all right. Here we go. <clears throat> All right, I got three things, uh, three names that are okay. two are coins, one is not. Okay. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. Can you, okay, well, how much information are you giving me about these coins? Am I just no, getting just, three getting names and that's it? You're getting the title because <sighs> as much as, we'll drag it out a little after, but I'm going to give you the title. <laughs> I didn't go read all okay. the white papers on these. You'll know why. All right, all right. Let me hear it. Lay it on me, crypto bro. What do you think about a He-Man coin? Do you think a He-Man coin's hmm. legit? Hmm. You don't have to answer uh, yet. Oh boy. Yeah. Could right. be. Now, what about a, a He-Man coin? What about a Matt coin? Um. Spelled how? <laughs> Spelt like your name, M A T T. Okay, not I'll, like I'll not take like five uh, maths, please. <laughs> yeah, not like a finish, like a like M A T T E. No, no, like Matt coin. Okay, or like a like like a small rug. Yeah, yeah. All no, right, it's like your name. All right, like my name. And now we have the icing on the cake, the pee pee poo poo coin. <laughs> I told you. All right, we're going to the absolute bottom here. The pee pee poo poo coin, I think, is real for sure because that's a meme. <laughs> that's, the pee pee poo poo man, it's a meme. The pee pee poo poo man was uh, um, a meme that was making fun of, I think, the snowman, which was a move, uh, horror movie in like yeah, 2017 I, I, or something. Oh, I'm thinking of the one from when we were kids, Jack Frost or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, are you thinking of the one where he takes the carrot and yeah, uses, uses it as his as his phallus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I've I said, never actually seen it, but I'm going straight to the uh, gutter today. Straight to the gutter. Okay, so I think the pee pee poo poo coin is real. I don't think you would have made that up, and it is like an internet meme I'm aware of. Okay, so that leaves me picking between the match. You don't coin. think I would have made up pee pee poo poo? That's no. so flattering. Thank you. Yeah, I totally well, would make that up. I don't think you're you're I, I, you'd be the accidentally in tune with Internet culture, I think, at that point. Uh, and that's where most of this crypto thing comes from. The He-Man coin or the Matt coin is where I'm at. OK. Hmm. The He-Man coin. I have the power of Grayskull. Yeah. Wow, by the power of Grayskull there. Uh, like Shira's fantastic. a big thing now. Did you know that? Shira? Shira, yeah. Shira's kind of getting popular again. Good for Shira, yeah, man. Female empowerment. Right on. Absolutely. Oh, lady just got hired um, uh, f- with the Vancouver Canucks hockey team, Rachel Dory, and she's, she's very smart, and there should be more ladies getting hired in management positions in hockey. PSA from me. Um, Okay. So I feel like you're dragging think, this out because you have no idea. Yeah, no idea. I think uh, I'm going to go with the Matt coin. I think you made the Matt coin up. 
I made up the He-Man coin. I win. Oh! I win. <laughs> I used your boomerism against you. I didn't take the obvious you. bait. <laughs> <clears throat> so here's the story about uh, today's Fact Schmacks game. Is um, usually like for something like this, I'll look up. Okay, like I have this funny thing. Like, say I made up the pee pee poo poo coin. Yeah. And then I looked it up and was like, oh my God, it's a fucking coin. <laughs> also, some honorable mentions were the poo poo coin. Okay. Uh, the turd the coin. The poo poo coin might have. Poo poo coin might have got me more. Like, because the, spe- the specificity of the pee pee poo poo thing. Well, that's like a. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Well, we've said that too much. It's starting to lose. Uh... <laughs> so there was the turd coin. Uh, you've heard of the cum rocket, I'm sure. I have heard of that, yeah. Uh, um, there's just a whole bunch of them. And every time I started looking up, like, okay, like this is definitely not something. And I would look it up and I'd be like, God damn it. So The only market more saturated than crypto right now is maybe par- podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, the one thing that I wanted to send you today was I, before Matt coin, I, I was maybe going to go with Kev coin and there's yeah. a movie coming out called Kev coin and what? it's like an indie movie and I watched the trailer for it. I kind of chuckled because it's got my name, of course, of course. So I, wa- uh, who's it? I wanted to send you that today. I have no idea. No I assume idea. it's no, a guy named people. Kev. It's, it's like a documentary where he like from what the, what I got was, that he was trying to make a movie about crypto while making a documentary about making a coin called the Kev coin slash like it was very meta, like making a movie about it was a documentary about making a movie about crypto. Okay. It, it, oh, maybe too many layers for me. I'll send it to you. You'll probably laugh that they talk about Kev coin a lot. Okay. So, but right. Matcoin's a real thing. Um, the That's other terrible. thing I was going to tell you, because I know how much you hate it, <laughs> is uh, we should make one episode of Fact Max in NFT. No. Yeah. Or I'll use no. my art skills and I will make a Fact Max NFT, which I will sell on market, which you will then be forced to take 50% of the proceeds. No, we're not doing an NFT. But then you would have to take 50%. No, I, I wouldn't out of principle. I, <laughs> I knew that was coming. That, that's why I was like, this is the best play I'd ever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, no. NFTs are, are really dumb. Uh, set, set a piece of the rainforest on fire for a piece of bad art. Terrific. Or a great podcast. But you don't, you're not buying anything. You have ownership of nothing. You're buying a piece of paper that says you own something, not the actual ownership of it, providing that website stays up. A crypto, whatever. I, that's a different conversation, but NFTs are fucking stupid. <laughs> They're coming into video games now, which makes me upset. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, it, it, we'll see. I mean, every company that's kind of announced anything has had to block it back. Oh, really? Big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, the guys are making the stalker video game stalker two. They put out some NFT thing and within a day had to walk that back. Uh, Ubisoft has actually sold some NFTs, but like the market, the stats of the marketplace are just hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious. It is pretty crazy. And then they, I love how they'll be like this NFT sold for blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, if I can see it, can I just own it by screenshotting it? Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and listen, allegedly, allegedly, uh, allegedly, a lot of those big transactions are just people laundering their, um, you know, their ill-gotten or unreported crypto. I've heard that about a lot of like art in general. That's yeah. some art oh, for sure. Like for a lot of money because it's like some kind yeah. of tax rate off somehow. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's definitely <clears> like, <throat> that's not a new, it's not like a new, uh, um, money laundering avenue. It's just, it's, it's digital now. Right. But like, you know, I, it's, it's, I, I don't think anybody is buying anything that anybody's going to value at all in, in a few years. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, there's the old, just like Beanie fast, Babies or not fast, <laughs> the old facts, schmacks game, the for old f- facts, schmacks game, game of facts, schmacks. 
mercifully, we are going to move my little musing to the end of the podcast, and we're going to jump right into the story here. We're going to jump into the story of the Sunday Times Golden Globe race. Now, this took place in, well, it didn't take place in 1966. It kind of, uh, the idea started in 1966 uh, when Francis, Francis Chichester, C-H-I-C-H-E-S-T-E-R, Chichester, um, maybe that, I do not know how to pronounce that, and I'm sorry, uh, sailed around the world okay, in 200. listen to this. Yeah, that's right. He. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, he. Yeah. Uh, sailed around the world in 226 days with only one stop in Sydney. Now, by around the world, what I mean is this person left from England. They sailed south, uh, past the Cape of Africa, you know, turning east. Keep going east, south of Australia, south of New Zealand, wind up in South America, you know, south of South America, then head north back up to England. Sail around the world from England to England via the two capes. Uh, and uh, he did it in 226 days, only stopping once, uh, which is pretty, you know, pretty impressive on a small little boat, small little yacht. Uh, as I like a to call them person. dinghies. I know it's not a little dinghy for your sailboat. But. No, no. Um, so this kind of got people really excited because, you know, the the last kind of solo sailing thing left to do would be to sail all the way around the world without stopping once. And this newspaper, the Sunday times, they wanted to, they wanted to do a competition, but they didn't want the responsibility of like vetting, you know, people or, or, or any of that. So what they did is they offered, they, 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 they announced a race Anybody who left England, any English port between June 1st and August, or sorry, October 31st of 1968 was automatically entered into this race. And the race would, uh, the, the, the prize for the race, the first person to arrive back on English shore uh, would receive a trophy. And the person who did it in the fastest time, because people are leaving at different times, would get 5,000 pounds, which is roughly $90,000 in today's money and i believe that's probably u.s money so you know if we're talking canadian that's you know like a million dollars <laughs> like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something <laughs> anyways um so like not you know not a small chunk of change for for doing that especially back in that day you know if you're sort of purchasing power you'd have um oh dude you could buy like five houses for uh, probably like 10 houses for that for sure so um, there was nine people who wound up entering the race. There was um, seven people, I think, who you would count as professional sailors, the sort of people who you would expect to be doing this sort of race. And there was, there was two people who weren't. But one, one in particular that we're going to be talking about, we're not going to be talking about many of these people specifically, but one person was Donald Crowhurst. Donald Crowhurst was a... British-born businessman. He grew up in um, in India. He was born in, in India, and his parents or his, his family went back to Britain after the uh, uh, Indian Revolution. Um, he had a bit of a rough upbringing. Apparently, his his mother had wanted a. As I saw this on Wikipedia, anyways, but his mother had wanted a girl and dressed him as a girl until oh, he was about seven years old. <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe that. <laughs> um. Uh, and, uh, then his dad died, you know, early and the family went into poverty. So he had to leave school early. He didn't get, you know, a full education, but nonetheless, he, he did make himself eventually, um, after working in, you know, the kind of electrical field, he made himself into, uh, an inventor of navigation products for boats. Okay. He had started a company, yeah, a company called Electron Utilization. Is this a lesson 19- in like the Dunning-Kruger um yeah <laughs> i can see maybe where this might go hey can i stop stop this for one second uh yep. what was the title you gave me for this show we're gonna talk when you started you're like we're gonna talk about the 1966 oh, the, uh the sunday times golden globe race okay and it was in 1968 so when you when you said that 
for the longest time I thought that this conversation was going to be about the, about the Golden Globes. Go the Golden Globes, yeah. And I'm like, I don't get it, man. Like, this isn't making sense no, to the, me yet. Yeah, no, the Golden Globe, like, What's the like our globe. Yeah, yeah I know, like, I, the, like I got the that. Earth. And I got it like five minutes ago, but there was a point at the beginning of the story where I'm like, what are we talking about the Golden Globes for? Like, it doesn't give a shit about actors. <laughs> oh, right, you're so funny, he's, man. So he's made some electrical uh, boat navigation things. Yeah, he's 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 designed some products uh, that apparently worked like reasonably well. But he was, you know, as good an, as an, of an inventor as he was. He wasn't maybe the best businessman. Business was bad. He was struggling financially. Um, he had already borrowed money. Had found an investor uh, and borrowed money to keep the business afloat. But you know, we've. I, uh, when I worked in the bank, we, we had a saying that, uh, you know, when someone in a, in a bad financial situation, a lot, not a lot of times, but sometimes if you give them credit, that's like finding someone in trouble and throwing them an anchor. Right. So this guy was thrown an anchor. His business just got worse. And now on top of his business being bad, he's got, you know, loan problems that he's trying to clear up. Right. As this is going on, this contest is announced. And he makes all these fancy boat gadgets and he thinks, well, you know, what if I don't even have to win, but like, what if I just, as an amateur sailor, I sail around the world, make it back. I just prove that with my gadgets, you know, anybody could undertake a voyage like that. And he goes back to his investor and he, you know, through a com uh, combination of his own charisma and through mortgaging his house and his business. Oh um, boy. He is able to raise enough money to have a boat designed. Um, he uh, calls it the, the, the Teague mouth electron. So he has, uh, it a, a, he has a boat designed. Designed and constructed. Like I feel like that's going a little too far. Why couldn't you just use a boat that already exists that can get around the world? Well, I think he's his idea was that you know he's going to give himself an edge by designing a boat with his gadgets in mind. Okay. Hey, just a quick aside here. Uh, we brought up the Dunning Kruger effect. Do you want to explain that quick? Yeah. So the Dunning Kruger effect. Um, For those is, who don't know. Yes, is uh, a very, very, very real phenomenon where people who don't know a whole lot about a subject don't know enough about what they don't know to realize how much they don't know compared to to experts in that field. You know, for so, you know, for example, um, you know, if you've spent a little bit of time researching a legal issue, for example, um, you, you know, you might think that you've got something of a grasp on it, but a lawyer would tell you the 17 reasons, you know, why you're wrong because you, there's just so much you don't even understand. Lawyers a great example. 17 things existed, right? Right. Lawyers, law is a great example because the language in law, a lot of it is what you'd call a term of art uh, where, you know, it has a very specific meaning that's very separate from, the, the general meaning that we use for words. So you might read something and just not even understand what it means in the legal context because you don't know enough to understand what you don't know. Right. Okay. Uh, so that, that's, you know, <clears throat> Dunning-Kruger. Dunning-Kruger. Um, so he gets this boat. Yeah. We get a boat. We decide we're going to mortgage boat. our house and, and design a boat, yep. which must be just gratuitously expensive. Yeah. I, I mean, designed by this guy in California, but it was built in... Um, in Britain somewhere, I presume. Um, now, like he had mortgaged his house and his business, so I don't know how much money you get from that in, you know, 1968 in Britain. But the Ten the kind shillings. of boat that he had, yeah, the kind of boat that he had ch chosen was this uh, boat called a trimaran, uh, which was a bit of a strange choice because it had it's it's um a boat with like a main hull section and then two kind of pontoons off to the side. Um, but it does have an issue where it can capsize. And once it gets fully capsized over, it's impossible to to write again. So you design this contraption that would stop that from happening, apparently. And that was going to go on. And he had this like range or, or direction find radio direction finder thing that he had designed that was going to, you know, give him an edge. And supposedly like the reason that he chose this boat is because it's supposed to be very fast. Uh, so he's thinking that's going to give him an edge too. I'm picturing um, like a grown up version of data from Goonies. <laughs> 
<laughs> Remember Goonies? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. That was, that was my favorite movie when I was a kid. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, could, do, okay, I yeah. could do a rewatch of that, I think. I watched it with oh, my daughter. I, any old day. You watched it with your boy yet? No. That's, <clears> oh, that's a good one. That's, though. Maybe dude, we should, he's at the right age. Yeah. It's, yeah. Tomorrow night's movie night. So I watched it with my daughter, movie. and she, she liked it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so basically, yeah. data from... Uh, Goonies has built a boat. Yeah. It's got a lot of contraptions on it. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of contraptions he intends to put on it because, you know, he's cutting it real close. There is a deadline to actually getting started. He doesn't really have a chance to test any of his stuff. And he doesn't really have a chance to properly install most of his stuff. But that's okay, he thinks. You know, he's going to get started. He actually leaves on the last possible day. Um. And most of his stuff isn't installed, but he's like, you know what? That's cool. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have nothing but time on my hands as I'm sailing across the world, so I can get the rest of this. Yeah, because it requires zero way. effort, but sitting on the boat, just idling your time. <laughs> For sure, that's right? exactly how I envision it. Also, <laughs> yeah, that's well, why it's just so easy. He, he did know, like, he did know a little bit about sailing. Like, to be fair, he was he wasn't like somebody who had never been on a boat, but he certainly was not somebody who who had the experience to. You know, I'm sure you knew more about sailing than I do, um, but I'm also not trying to sail around the world. Um, Have you ever been sailing? Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, I went with um, with like a friend's dad. Oh, yeah. It's, we it's kind of neat. We went when we were in cadets. We did a summer doing it. I wasn't a sea cadet, but we somehow ran boats. <laughs> and we cap- oh, capsized it. It's pretty like, it's pretty scary when you're sitting there in the water and the boat's upside down. Yeah, I capsized. Put it back up. I capsized a sea dew with my family on it. Like my son was like three. We had stu- I wasn't even doing anything stupid. We were uh, we had just stopped and we hit hit away from the side and the thing tipped over and went upside down and didn't right itself. And we didn't know what to do. And then I did manage. To, I I just kind of hopped on top of it and grabbed the other end and was able pulled up. But it's kind of panicked for a second because like, yeah. oh my god, what are we? You know, yeah, we had life jackets and. It was, you know, yeah. Anyways, speaking of scary water things, um, immediately after he leaves, uh, things start going bad for for Donald. He had a self-steering rig um, and he was having an issue when anytime he went kind of sufficiently fast, it would uh, he'd he'd have the boat boat would start vibrating enough that it would start pushing the screws out. So he'd have to be constantly putting the screws back in to keep this self-steering rig going. Um, eventually, I think you know, like kind of how this would go. Like the, the reason that the screw is getting, getting pushed out is because the two plates that it's holding together are vibrating and that can only go on for so long before the screws just shear off. Right. Oh yeah. You can totally rattle a machine loose, like, you know, separate it for yeah. sure. So like, vibration, eventually son of a bitch. Yeah. So eventually the screws on his steering rig um, shear off and go bad. Um, he did have he didn't have any spare screws, but he had to cannibalize some of his other gear uh, and uh, and use uh, the screws from that to kind of fix his his thing. Um, but his lack of sailing skills and, you know, rough conditions make him. He's not making the time that he was hoping to make. He, he thought he'd be making about 220 nautical miles per day, but he's only getting like half that. If that, um, so with everything going on, he's kind of starting to think like, Oh boy, I'm not, not really, really sure that my boat is going to survive once I get, you know, past the capes because whilst you, while you're going South, you're staying close to Africa, right? You're not in super deep water, super rough water, but once you get past the Cape of Africa, you you're going through the Indian Ocean, South Pacific Ocean. Um, you know, you're going to be in really rough water for a very long time. Yeah, like isn't the Cape like isn't the tip of Africa like the worst place for shipwrecks? Like the Cape of Hope, uh, Cape Hope, or yeah, whatever? yeah, yeah. There's a, probably also that. Although I don't know if that's big shipwrecks or little, because he's in a very small boat. I don't know how much of a concern that is for them but uh, sure also dangerous sure yeah absolutely um he had though you know he's got his doubts but 
he's got a lot riding on this thing working out, at least to some extent. If he turns around now, he thinks he's losing his house. His family's getting kicked out of their house. You know, right now there's hope. If I turn around, I don't know. So he starts after a little while. He's got an agent back in, in Britain and he starts relaying fake coordinates back home through his radio saying he's actually, you know, saying he's had a rough start, but now he's starting to make great time. And he's, oh, that's a brilliant he's, idea for when you stop communicating. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think it's quite going where you think it's going to go, but that is a good safety reason why, why that's just a bad idea in general. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he starts kind of, now he's sort of ambiguous. He's not outright, you know, he's saying he's further along than he is, but he's not onto his big deception yet. He finally, at, at a certain point, once he kind of hit, you know, he'd, he would have had a shit or get off the pot moment in terms of what he was thinking about in his head, because, you know, you travel, you travel around like Morocco, let's say the, 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 the Western coast of Africa. I think that's, that's my, or Libya, sorry. You know, once you get too far away from there, you're starting to travel East and you're getting further away from, from South America. And he had a big think that maybe instead of trying to sail around the world, what I'm going to do is I'm actually just kind of once I hit um, the the eastmost extent of Africa, I'm going to jut over to South America, kind of loiter around South America for a little while, break radio communication so they don't know where I am. And then, you know, a few weeks later appear like I've like I've made the whole trip, go home. You know, as long as I don't come in first, nobody's really going to you know question this, right? That's his big idea. So that's what he does. He, he did hit a point where he had to start outright, like really lying about where he was. Once he started kind of heading towards South America, he's relaying coordinates. He's actually like back tracing celestial navigation stuff to give, to make it seem like, you know, the sun, he knows where the sun is, where it, where he's at. And, you know, he's faking a log book. He's faking reports back home. And this whole time he's alone, you know, for months. So he's, he's perpetrating this big, uh, this big kind of fraud on people. Okay. So he's kind of feels like he's backed into doing. Okay. So he doesn't, if he doesn't show up first, he doesn't win the prize. Or as long as he he completes it. As long as he completes it, he'll have like just done it. But the first person to show up gets a trophy. The person who does it quickest from, you know, from leaving to getting there gets 5,000 pounds. But he just wants to save his business with publicity. So, he, did, you know, he figures as long as he's not winning the trophy or winning the, the, the money, nobody's really going to care about, you know, about him lying. So, That's so he kind just of his doesn't gamble. want his company, to, like all his, his equipment to be shoddy and bad reputation all that yeah exactly if he has to turn around almost instantly then all he's proven is that his gear's no good right okay so even if it's not fully installed even if he's got all the all the excuses in the world he still can't turn back because it's going to look so bad it's he will have mortgaged his company and his house and effectively done nothing so he can't do that so this is his big idea is he's going to fake having done the race makes up a fake log book. He uh, apparently stopped in uh, South America and bought supplies, which was uh, against the rules. So, you know, bad Donald right. there. No good for you. Um, how could they really, but, sorry, how could they really track these guys back in the day? They couldn't really. It was, it, you know, honor system and, um, you know, the other guys ran into other boats though. Like some people had like mail that they dropped off somehow without really stopping that they would, you know, drop off in like uh, Australia sail, I guess sail close enough and maybe just throw something overboard. I don't know. Um, But let's actually check in on how the rest of the race is, is doing or unfolding 
because by the time Crowhurst had even left on October 31st, you know, last possible day, four of the other racers had already dropped out out of nine. Um, two got um, dummied by a storm. Uh, one got uh, just kind of general mechanical issues with his with his boat. Uh, and uh, one was, you know, mechanical issues, but also just loneliness, decided it wasn't worth it. Uh, and had already dropped out. Like so, how long is it supposed to take to go around the world on a sailboat? Well, it's, uh, you know, supposed to, the first guy did it in 220 days, or 226 right, days. That's right, that's right, okay. With sorry. only one stop, so it shouldn't be too much longer than that. So you're still talking uh, like for six months. Yeah, you're alone wow. for a long time. Yeah. Um, By mid-November, a fifth that's person. That's Popeye got such as big forearms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of strangers, but then every once in a while you need to know what you're doing. Uh, Cause it's both forearms, right? He didn't just have one. Yeah, true. Uh, true. Yeah. So mid November, a fifth person dropped out due to health issues. So there's only four people left really by the time he even starts. Um, the four remaining guys, a guy named Knox Johnson. That's not his that's just his last name. I'm giving only the last names. I was going to look up first names and I forgot. Uh, so we got Knox Johnson. He's in the fact lead. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Uh, he's in the lead. Uh, he's in the lead in terms of he left the earliest and he is, you know, by far expected to arrive the earliest, but he's actually not in the lead time wise. He's not expected to win the 5,000. He's just expected to win the trophy. Um, a guy named uh, Moitessier is behind him. Uh, and then there's a guy named Tetley behind him. Tea and then you got Tetley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then you, you got Crowhurst, who is hiding somewhere off of the coast of South America, kind of having turned his radio off, um, you know, gone totally radio silent for three months but he's hiding off the coast of south america waiting biding his time waiting to make his return everyone in this race though uh is suffering right i mean we, we were just talking about it it's six months of being alone mentally it's really tough a lot of these people you know you're not going through a you know you're or you're going through a physical journey but you're also going through a spiritual journey at a certain point just in terms of you know you're conquering the elements and you're conquering yourself and that was felt in particular by uh moitessier he was the next to drop out but rather than drop out he kind of had an existential moment and he decided that this whole contest was stupid this whole modern life thing was stupid and he just kind of became like a wandering sailor rather than heading to England. Like a vagabond. Kind of, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of badass. Rather than head back to England, he he ended up slingshotting a message at a, another ship basically saying peace, I'm out. Uh and he just kept sailing. He sailed all the way around the world again, wound up at the mid mid-Pacific Ocean in Tahiti, uh where he uh took a new wife. And lived the rest of his days, uh, and I think he might be the big winner here. Is yeah, previous for sure. previous wife one of the losers? But you know he he did well for himself. Good for you to having a mental breakdown and sailing around the world again. But he was out of the competition. He decided he was out. Now, Crowhurst doesn't know that Moitessier is out at this point, so he still thinks that there's you know three other competitors. He just has to bide his time, you know, reannounce where he was, where he is at the right time and, you know, kind of make his way back and everything will be fine. On April uh, 10th, that's what he did. He reestablished radio contact. He said he was near the near Cape Horn. So that's the coast off of uh, South Africa. America. Oh, South America. No, that's South America. Yeah. So he's, you know, um, right. but he's probably misjudged when he actually announced this um, because now he's actually in pretty solid contention to make the fastest time. It's down to him and Tetley who are going to make the fastest time. So, uh Oh, and 
he spent three months alone. He's getting he's getting a little loopy. Getting a little squirrely, getting, yeah, for sure. Getting a little squirrely. He's getting quite philosophical, apparently. He's I'm keeping not going to lie Shit gets weird here after six hours if I'm by myself. Right. Like, Imagine. Into existential crisis. And- yeah. So this is April, what did I say? April um, uh, 20th. Um, or April 10th, sorry. And he had left on October 31st. So that's how long he's been alone other than a quick visit to one, um, little village, uh, in, in Argentina. Um, so he's, you know, he's starting to develop quite a bit of, um, paranoia and stress as well, because he's trying to pull one over on, you know, really kind of the whole of the world at this point. Uh, that's gotta be a little difficult on the old anxiety there. Um, and all of this is not made any any better um, by the fact that Tetley, who's now thinking that this amateur might beat him, starts pushing his boat really hard, probably harder than he should have. And then he hits a storm and that kills his boat for good. He was rescued, though. So, you know, Tetley okay. lives. Good for Tetley. But his boat's done. So he's out of the race. So Knox Johnson had already finished... He got the trophy, but Crowhurst is now guaranteed that he's going to get the fastest time prize. With that prize, though, come like like we were talking about, like a bunch of scrutiny from okay. sailors, and he knows that he's okay. No, because he left on the last day, so he, he could have still on, done yeah. it in the shortest time. Yeah, he okay, would have so, still done okay, it in the shortest yeah, time. That makes sense. Yeah. And he knows he's not going to be able to pull it off because there's people who know who've sailed through that area are going to ask him questions about like, what did this look, you know, he's not going to have any of those answers. Galapagos. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not going to have been there, you know? So he's he just spirals into an existential uh, crisis here to make matters worse. Right after he found out that Tetley had gone down, uh, his radio broke. So he couldn't talk to anybody. Now he's actually not a self-imposed silence. He's in a real silence. Well, on July 1st, Crowhurst began to write what would be his final log entry. Uh, His late writings had become obsessed over um, a, a game that he thought was being played by, you know, the universe Uh, and God, you know, between people. There's a couple of famous um, uh, outtakes is a really weird word to use in in this context, but like uh, passages from his last day. Uh, And I'm just going to read, read them here. Uh, I am what I am and I see the nature of my offense. I will only resign this game. If you agree that on the next occasion that this game is played, It will be played according to the rules that are devised by my great God, who has revealed at last to his son not only the exact nature of the reason for games, but has also revealed the truth of the way of ending of the next game that it is finished. It is finished. It is the mercy. I will play this game when I choose. I will resign the game. 11, 20, 40. There is no reason for harmful. Uh-oh. And that was it. It ends on the word harmful. That's doesn't, it doesn't sound like he's gone to a good place. No, he's in a very bad place. Uh, it seems very bad much place, like, be sure to get help. PSA. Yeah, it's they, uh, they're pretty sure that 11, 20, 40 means 11 hours, 20 minutes, 40 seconds was when he planned to jump in the water. Um, interestingly, we know that he had been keeping a fake log, but that log was never found. It's only the real log that was explaining what he was really doing. And with all of his, you know, philosophical writing, at, you know, towards the end, that's the only one that was found. Um, there was some other stuff that was missing with him, but, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting or it's, it's a, I don't know whether he took that stuff I don't know whether he took the wrong book. Like it could be as simple as that. Is he meant to take the book that had all the, 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 um, 
you know, the real stuff in it and take that with him and just make it seem like he'd fallen off his boat or something or as like an act of contrition or penance or something. He, he left the real story behind. There was also, he had brought a video camera. So there's a bunch of footage of his, of his trip too. Um, but yeah, so he was never found. They found the boat on its own after a while. How long did it so take the to only find the boat, per- you know, but that can you know take like years, right? No, they found it pretty quick. Okay. Um, yeah, they went they went looking for it pretty quick. I, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was, you know, they knew it happened pretty fast. You know, for um, a couple minutes there, I was like, we're, we're going to have another story where nobody dies. Yeah. And then no. you just drop so that down ending on it. Yeah. So he couldn't handle the pressure and and that's <clears> that was what he decided was his own way, only way out. Um, now, so Knox Johnson. Now, the one upside or the one happy note at the end here. Um, is Knox Johnson there who who won the the trophy and then being the only person that finished the race, he also had the fastest time. Uh, so he got the 5,000 pounds. He gave it to the family. Oh, um, well, that's nice. Yeah. And the uh, I think the paper that did the, that sponsored the, the race also matched it and gave that to the family too. So I think they were, you know, they were, they got to keep their house, I believe. That's good. So here's my question. About uh, two thirds of the way through when you're talking about how he felt this pressure and this and that, and he didn't want to lose his business. So if you're already at the point where the money's not going to save your business and the, and you're not going to get the prize, you just want to finish. But the whole point of the race was to not stop or touch ground. Right. Yeah. Why not just be like, ah, shit, I forgot to pack matches. Had to stop, disqualified, chill right. out on the beach with some like lovely, lovely ladies and some drinks. And then six months later, go back home. That's what I'd have done. I'd have been like, well, uh, I can't go home for six months. Gonna have to make the best of this situation. But yeah, no, you do it no. isolating yourself on a boat. No, he stayed on his boat. For the most part, he was only in, I think he was also terrified that if he was anywhere, you know, people would see him. Right. So he's trying to, it, dude, it's like 1960 something. Who's this guy? Like nobody knows him. Nobody's going to know him in Tahiti. No, it was a famous thing that was going on. I think he was, he was at least, uh, uh, he was at least, that's what he was worried about is he was, yeah, he didn't want anybody to see him because he still had to pull it off. Like, you know, he still had to not get caught at the end of the day for it to work. Right. So if he spends six months lounging in, you know, Africa somewhere, like, well, yeah, but someone's eventually going to go, hey, I saw this guy, he, you know, this clown was, especially after you finished the race, he would have been famous, right? So for this yeah. to work, he took a, you know, he took, he would have taken a risk by his own, uh, but, but what I'm by saying, his own plan. What I'm saying is like, you could have just kind of bowed out of that race by saying like, ah, oh, shit, like my, you know, uh whatever broke about my spleen my spleen's like my appendix blew up or something right where you can just get out of the actual race i think if if six people finish the real race and you know you you don't you're not going to get any who cares that's what that's what i'm saying man like you could still be out of that race so there's no publicity right right but, but then he, still say that you made it around the world. Like, yeah, I made it around the world, but no, you, he, he had to, he had to either finish this race or he was going to die trying. God damn. Dude. That was his mentality mm-hmm. because if he, if he did not, as far as he was concerned, then his family's out of their house. His business is gone. He had had other failed businesses in the past, so he wasn't going to let this one go to. Yeah. So he was not going to not finish he, you know, at least not pretend to finish this race. So what did he think that like just finishing it would make him famous enough that he would be able to like yep. close a bunch of business deals and stuff? Yep. Use the publicity to say, yep, I, even an, an amateur can could have done this. Um, you know, can't, didn't win, but still got it done, right? Yeah. He needed the publicity. He needed to actually finish the race to be that's, one of the winners. That's like if- But not the winner. I don't know if that's like a like a vanity thing or like like I just don't see how you could be so desperate to you know like you could still be like yeah I sailed around the world with my little contraptions they totally got me around the world he just wanted that publicity you know 
Yeah, well, he, he thought if he didn't get the publicity, he was boned. So it's like when you he, see these people and was, they like, like someone's like, oh, somebody fell off a building taking a trying to take a cool selfie. And you're just kind of like, yeah. well, you know, like you didn't have to do that. You're that was a pretty dumb yeah. move. Yeah, I mean, shitty that he went crazy and everything. That sucks. Yeah, but uh, you know, like then you just kind of go like, well, like. Or how many people fall into the Grand Canyon taking pictures or. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. why did you, why it wasn't that it wasn't worth your life is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, It's not yeah. worth your life. And, and like, you know, there were other ways he could have, he could have just gone and chilled out on somewhere where nobody's going to know him. Like he, I'm sure yeah. he could have. Or at least trade your life for something more expensive than a selfie. <laughs> You're stuck on the selfie now. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you hear um, about those stories and, or you see them or like I'll see people and they put on this, this shit on YouTube and I'm like, that's really awesome. But like, was it worth like, yeah, you didn't fall and you look like you're a, a pretty like hot shot. Yeah. Well, hardcore is it worth guy. Is it worth, is it worth the people who are going <laughs> to see that and do something dumb? Oh yeah, for sure, man. Kills Death me. By Kills me just for, just for fucking fake, like just for likes that aren't even a real thing. On a computer. Yeah. It's funny, right? It is funny. Funny what we do. Kevin. Matthew. I've been I've been thinking about now. Oh God, is this our musing? This is our musing. Okay. If I do this right, your concept of what now is is about to take a radical fucking beating. But we would define now, me and you, as being a moment in time that exists, you know, roughly 13.787 billion years after the Big Bang. We share this moment of now, right? Right. Right. And you would assume that you have a now and we have a now and it extends out from us all the way across the universe and everybody who's in our now is also 13.787 billion years after the big bang right everybody is existing in this like universal slice of time that constitutes now right sure i feel Doesn't like it's more like seem- an event horizon like you're just riding the edge of this great wave of this great sure but everybody's kind of at the same spot in the great wave, right? Your now is the same now as somebody else's now who's on the other side of the universe, right? On the other side? I'm sorry, are you admitting to life on other planets? Sure, uh, sure yeah. Absolutely. I, I've just said it's unlikely. There's bound to be other life in, like, the universe, of course. I just don't think there's, like, a ton of it in our galaxy. Uh, and we're never going to get outside of our galaxy, so that's uh, that's kind of where that ends. Um at this time, again, let's just say, yeah, do you think, <laughs> right. but do you think someone or a planet or something else on the other side of the universe, they have that same now that's roughly, you know, 13.787. Are they existing in the same now as you? Would it depend on their like proximity to what would be the center of the universe? Kevin, everywhere is the center of the universe. You're in the center of the universe. I'm, I'm the, the center, center of the universe. Of the universe. Sure, and so am I. Wait a minute. God damn it. How does that everything work? Everything's expanding away from... Well, because everything is expanding away from everything. So everywhere is the center of the universe. If the universe is flat, it has no edge, which, so which means it's infinite. We don't have to get into that, but that means that everywhere is the center of the universe or nowhere, yeah, is the center of the universe. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So there is no center statement. of the universe. So, <clears throat> I mean, sure, yeah. I think my now is the well, same as, as the well, quirk quirks wow, uh, now or whatever you want to call the people across the universe. Yeah. Here's the thing. We know that due to time dilation, that's not really the case. Um, so, for example, you know, they did an experiment in the 70s where they put some atomic clocks on planes and they flew one around the world west and they flew one around the world east they flew them actually twice around the world each and you know atomic clocks are very 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 accurate we can measure time very 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 precisely and when they compared those atomic clocks after their time flying after their time in motion relative to each other 
Those clocks didn't agree with each other, and neither clock agreed with the clock that was on the ground. Now, they were only off by slight little bits, but that means that they experienced differing amounts of time. They did not share the same now once they... I want to to burst your bubble here because you already brought this up in this episode. You talk about uh, Buddy's screws coming apart on this this boat. And then you tell me you put two highly sensitive clocks on planes and flew them around the world. Well, what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be some kind of inherent vibration, some kind of thing that's going to set off these clocks. No, that's not the way atomic clocks. It's not the way atomic clocks work. How's an atomic clock work? So atomic clocks are fucking fascinating. Uh, what they do is there is a, a atom inside or a bunch of atoms that has a very, 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 very regular uh, vibration to it or pulse. Uh, now, it's not the sort of vibration that's going to be affected by the vibrations of a plane. Um, it's if we're talking like quantum effects. It's just it's its own thing. So every time, ah, let me look up how many um, ticks it is. But there's just this absurd amount of ticks that it counts every second. And once it hits those, but, uh, that's that what number, I'm saying. Like once you, one second is. Like, okay, hold on, hold on a sec. I don't know what happened there. You got garbled a little due to our oh, sorry. internet connections. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're telling me that the atom vibrates at a certain thing. So are they looking at it with a detector that was never on the plane then is what you're telling me? No, they're looking at it with a laser. They would have definitely, listen, I'm telling you the best scientists, this is a Dunning-Kruger conversation right here because I'm telling you that the best conversations in the world or uh, sorry, scientists in the world have accounted for that. Maybe there might be some vibration on the plane. And maybe I don't know, that man. Might, I, I, th- uh, I think a podcast co- co-host just uh, <laughs> just cracked <laughs> cracked the mystery of time dilation. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it's uh, trying to look up how many actual uh, ticks it goes through. Eighteen billion. Uh, so they put an atom. And they just measure it with a laser. Yes. I always, whenever someone says the atomic clock, I always think of the uh, doomsday clock. That's like two minutes to midnight. Yeah, no, no. Atomic clocks measure. Yeah, they, they use the, a, the regular vibration of, a, uh, uh, of an atom to, to take time or to measure time. So it's it's the most it's the most accurate way of tell of measuring time that we have. Um, it also, um, you know, the, the the important thing is that it they were they disagreed by exactly what relativity said that they should disagree uh, by. So the speed now, that they traveled. Yeah, you take the speed that they traveled relative to each other. You do what's called the Lorentz uh, transformation, which is a way of kind of adjusting um, somebody's motion through space and time for, you know, between different perspectives while keeping all of those perspectives reasonably intact. Um, It's a much better visual thing. If you wanted to, uh, you know, look look that up, uh, you can find all sorts of information on that. But it's like, you know, it's something they've had in, in physics for a very long time. But it, it, yeah, it, they just, it's the first time we've ever been able to test it. Now, if this didn't, if this wasn't true, you know, they did that in the seventies. Now GPS satellites, for example, have to account for the fact that those clock, their clocks are running faster. And if they didn't account for that, then GPSs would be useless within a day, you know, to give you an idea of like, even though it's just a little bit, um, when we're talking about satellites in the atmosphere, uh, they do experience time dilation. And so we have to account for that, uh, when we, when, you know, specifically with gps other things uh like that so, so satellites who's in the future experience. the satellite or my handheld garmin um great question i'm not sure that's an important, I think the, important thing to know uh, probably the, ones the, the, the one space. going the one going faster experiences time slower so we are in the future yes we're in the future of the satellite <sighs> now over over long Mind distances blown. though over long distances that can stack up 
huge. So let's say there is an alien who's on the other side of the universe. You know, he's moving relative to you. They're, and they're because of how neutral. He or she uh, or they. Thank you. Uh, uh, no shitty pronoun jokes. Um, no, it's not a shitty are, pronoun joke. It's the grays are just, they don't have a gender. Okay. I saw it in the Roswell autopsy documentary, even though they blurred oh, their okay. genitalia. <laughs> On TV. No genitalia so like, on that. Uh, there's no genitalia on it. Then why'd you blur it out? <laughs> Remember the autopsy <laughs> no video? No genitalia on that rubber suit. Yeah. <laughs> they had that autopsy video and they're like, oh yeah, there's, it's genderless. And it's like, but you blurred its crotch out. It's like a Ken doll crotch then, right? Yeah. I don't know. So we've talked about how things like, you know, in like our, you know, you, you have like a, 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 a observable universe bubble around you mine can be in a different spot but you know the difference between them doesn't matter anything from that far away that affected us over here would take you know 40 billion light years to get here so it's not going to affect us in any real way but it's just neat to think about well this is sort of the same thing where somebody on the other side of the universe depending on their motion whether it's towards you or away from you from you even if it's very small there now could either be you know when the dinosaurs were around or if they're moving in the other way, there now can be in your future. So when is now compared to any of us? It has to be the future. So we haven't met them yet. Well, for sure. But (laughs) let's even say you're looking at something that's on a planet. That's a couple light years away. No, I get this. Like you're looking at it, how it was years four ago. years yeah four years ago right when is now is now something that's happened that you can't see and won't experience for four years or is that now this like this is a different thought or is it um when you get that information but let's even take that a step more local right let's talk about you looking at your computer monitor right now and you listening to me you're getting light sorry, that's what? coming off you're getting light that's coming off of the monitor and that takes a discrete amount of time to get there. And even when it does get there, it has to process be and display ab- absorbed by your eye. It has yeah, to travel as an electrical impulse to your brain that you're going to have yes. in the signal for sure. Exa- exactly. So when is now is now when the signal hits leaves the monitor is the signal when the light hits your eye is the signal when your brain gets that information from your eye um but even at that point consciousness has about an 80 second lag and it's it's more interesting than just being held back by 80 seconds um there seems to be sort of uh you know, you're mo- you're mostly held living 80 milliseconds back, but you can't account for some information that's coming in, you know, within that ne- that next 80 milliseconds. You know, you're in, you're 80 milliseconds back for a variety of reasons. You know, let's say you um, touch the tip of your nose and you touch the bottom of your foot at the same time. It's kind of interesting that your brain can process, you know, both the information from your fingers, you know, sure, easy enough to to synchronize them as having, you know, feeling something at the same time. But your nose is very close to your brain. Your hands are further away from your brain than your nose, and your foot's further away from your brain than all of them. But your brain will process all of that information as having happened at the same time, even though surely it's not getting that information at the same time, right? So your brain lives behind to kind of smooth things out and make sure that all of the stimuli it's getting from different parts of the body all kind of line up. So again, when's now? Does now exist? Does now exist in any real sense? That we're living in a buffer and that we could all be on different uh, degrees of that buffer. I mean, the sun could, the sun could explode any minute. I mean, it won't, won't but let's, and you wouldn't know for eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So when's now, is it when it exploded or is it when we know? So say somebody like uh, Colonel Chris Hadfield flying around in space for like a year. He's travel like they're, he's he's traveling fucking super fast. Yeah. And he's experienced less time. 
He has his he has uh, absolutely experienced less time while he was traveling in space than he would have experienced had he been on the ground. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, now it's not much, right? Until you get close to the speed of light or any appreciable fraction of the speed of light, it's not much. But we know it it does exist, right? I don't. You know what? It's one of those things, and this <laughs> happens sometimes with your musings where I hear it and I go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an argument, but it's probably stupid. So yeah. <laughs> but then I go like, I have to digest that information. Like you have to hear For sure. it and then you hear it again. It's like you said about quantum physics. It's like, yeah. When you the hear second time it, you hear it, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah I know that exists, <laughs> but you don't like, you can't really come. You don't understand it. it. I don't, yeah. I don't understand most. Like I, I couldn't tell you why time dilation. Well, so hold up. You're telling me that yeah. we have an 80 millisecond like brain buffer. Yep. And I paid probably an extra hundred bucks for this monitor because it was like like one millisecond response time. Well, Is that a marketing I mean, ploy? No, it means that because you're still experiencing things, you know, at a very high refresh rate behind that 80 milliseconds. Like I said, there's a very interesting, um, a very interesting if they experiment. shifted to me here at the speed of light, would I get the signal faster? <laughs> well, obviously. That's such a stupid thing to say. <laughs> such a stupid thing to say. There's an experiment you can look at online, but it's um, uh, picture a, you know, grapefruit sized circle on a black background. The circle's hollow. It's just a white chalk circle. And on that chalk circle, uh, there is a smaller quarter size circle that is just following that circle, spinning around, you know, or, or tracing around that circle. And every time it gets to say, if this is, we're going to say it's a clock, every time it gets to nine o'clock, a green light flashes inside of that white cir- quarter size circle that's going around this orange sized circle. But when you're watching it, your brain anticipates the movement of this white dot that you've been following. And so it always displays the green flash as being slightly behind the white dot, even though if you, that's not what's happening on the actual image. So your brain's anticipating the motion and feeding you that information accordingly. Now, somebody did the, uh, th- that's maybe easy enough to explain, or, or but some, somebody altered the experiment. So, Rather than just keep going in a circle, every time it flashed, it would then reverse and go counterclockwise instead of clockwise. Now, you would think when that would happen, you'd still see the same illusion, right? Your brain would be tracing the motion of the circle and it would expect that the the, the white circle is going to outrun the green flash. I'm, I'm so lost right now. <laughs> Hopefully our listener won't be. But what actually happens is the it doesn't. Your brain actually shows it the other way, even though so even though we're living in this buffer, it seems to be able to account for some information that comes in between the buffer and when you process it. it basically is is the idea. If you try to flip the experiment around, you can't it your brain processes it differently. So obviously We'll put a link to this experiment in the uh, in the description, uh, some way that you could look at it. But obviously, your brain is accounting for information that's happening inside of that buffer zone. So it's not quite as, you know, I think the point is it's not quite as simple as we live with an 80 millisecond buffer. Um, we're not necessarily exactly 80 second milliseconds behind. Um, like you are, but you can't account for some stuff that's happening inside that, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. It does to me. All right, everybody. And Kev's closing facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe this is a good, um, you know, there's, there's a great video about how it's almost impossible for a major league hit batter to hit a pitch. Because if you look at the actual, we're 80 milliseconds behind. If you look at the amount of time it takes a major league pitch at 90 miles per hour to get uh, across, across the plate, a pitcher shouldn't e- or a batter shouldn't even be able to hit that. There's some voodoo going on in terms of that 80 millisecond buffer where you can, you know, there's something going on, man. That's it's like, all I'm it's saying. It's like your brain is just uh, jumping to conclusions. 
Yeah, it's either like advanced predictions or it's like you live in the past, but also kind of in the present too. Or, you know, again, we don't know what now is. So if, if yeah. All right. Or maybe I'm, or maybe I'm dumb. Anyways, what's now? <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about. What's now? Wow, that's so deep, man. That's <laughs> it's a lot. That's a lot to process. I'll, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to mull that over a bit. Yeah. So we got Kev's closing fact here, just to make things dumb and happy again. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Uh, I'm a llama again. <laughs> last last week uh, on our uh, on our episode there. We talked, uh, and it was tr- going back to the D.B. Cooper thing about um, men of action, and then we had mammals of action. Absolutely. Right? Uh, Are we getting rodents of action? No, 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 no. It's, it's nothing no, of no action. Mammals. It's it's a surprising thing. Hmm. Uh, so the stat is from, like, 2002. I don't know if... Now that's dated, but it's probably still accurate. Um 2002 alone, more people in the U.S. were killed by dogs than shark attacks over the past hundred years. I have no trouble believing that at all. So sharks, shark attacks are so rare. As we're so scared of them, turn out to be not that bad. Oh my god, but dogs! Like I got a dog in the other room, and don't let it hear this. But like, I'm getting a little nervous now. Absolutely, I have no idea. Like they, they know where we sleep. Man. <laughs> In a lot of cases, it's right beside them. <laughs> I'm getting nervous, man. Like I've seen Jaws, <laughs> and to know that to know that Penny Penny is more deadly than Jaws scares yeah. the shit out of me. Oh no! Just, just keep it keep it on the down low. Absolutely. They have good hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Roll the end credits. Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts schmacks. Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter.com at Fact Schmacked Pod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz, because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure. (laughs) 